This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Guys, welcome to Knife Talk. This podcast is for knife makers, DIYers, anybody who's interested in knives, knife making, making in general. This podcast is also sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat treat ovens available. To go find your next oven, you can look at evenheat-kiln.com, but when you want to get one, you go to Soul Ceramics, and if you follow this link, knifetalk.net slash heat, the listeners and the users of that link will get $75 off uh, their Even Heat oven and free shipping in the United States. So go check out Even Heat, go check out Soul Ceramics, that's knifetalk.net slash heat. And uh, this podcast is, uh, is we're here. My name's Jeff Fader from Fader Knives. I'm here with Mareko Momasi, Momasi Fire Arts. Craig is on a secret mission that we're not allowed to talk about, but it's pretty spicy. It's and, pretty uh, spicy. It's pretty spicy. It's like so spicy, Mareko, that I really want to like blow it. But at the same time, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I mean don't you feel that? Don't you, you should, feel the same way? Just go, just do it. Blow it. I'm just joking. Don't fucking blow it. Oh, dude, thank God you said that. I was just like, well, if it's two against one, two against one, I mean, we're a democracy here. If it's two against one, we decide to blow it. I mean, if you and I both back each other, then what can you say, really? I mean, but, you know, let's not blow it for old Craig. How how have you been? Uh, I've been all right. I've been all right. um, So since I got the hammer in, uh, I I moved a bunch of shit around to get the hammer in. The, The power hammer. The power hammer, yeah. And... And I've been dragging on getting everything back into place. Right. And I finally did it the other day, and it felt so good. And I owe a big uh, thank you to my wife who helped haul away a bunch of recycling shit that I had to go get taken away and recycled. And uh, that helped open up a lot of space and helped me to be able to reorganize stuff. And I was able to forge the other day. It was great. I forged a piece of Dama steel. Um, and it's some of that Damacore material that we got. And, um, I forged a nice, uh, like eight and a half inch Nikiri out of it. Uh, two inches, two inches wide. I, so what I did is, you know, you got the same size bar of that Damacore, that like Sandmai style they make, right? Yeah. They sent me, um, uh, a thin billet of Damacore. Yeah. Yeah. It's super thin. Yeah, super thin. And uh, it's like maybe just over an eighth of an inch or something like that. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And so I I cut that into three chunks. And so far I have forged a paring knife, I forged a chef's knife, and then the last little chunk is going to get forged into uh, like a santoku. Um, And it's really, you know, the, 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 the art of forged things... It's like, you know, material. People talk about how, like, you know, material is so affordable these days. You know, what, yeah. um, you know, you could, it's cheap. So just get it. You can forge your blade out of it, but obviously you can also afford to stock remove. Um, but in the old days, like, they had to conserve all, all the material they had or take old files or old whatever they had around and forge it into other stuff. And so it's kind of like a continuation of that kind of mindset of really trying to conserve the material yeah. as best as you can. 
Um, and so that's kind of what this, this forging these blades out of, out of this one bar is for me is to kind of see what I can get out of it and to really, uh, stretch it and without messing it up. But fortunately these first two have gone well. Um, and we'll see how the Santoku goes, but there's still, there's always a chance to mess things up. Uh, but that's just part of it. So hopefully that's the best I part do, about, I learn. <laughs> sorry for interrupting. That's the best part of forging, which it's like the old school way of, it's not just, you know, making something. It's, it's a manipulation of a, of a very specific amount of mass. Right. And it's like that whole idea of like full tang versus hidden tang. I mean, they didn't really, I mean, f hidden tang was a, a method to conserve the material. They couldn't just call up somebody to get a, a, a you know, a stick of steel. Right. They only had a certain amount. So it's like, why shove sure. it all, you know, I, I, I think, I think that's the best thing. And, 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 you know, being able to kind of like predict, cause that's one of the things that you do that is so interesting, which is your ability to use math to calculate how much material you have and mm -hmm. how much you can use to be as efficient as possible. I mean, that's the true, that's the reason why you become a bladesmith. I would imagine it's not just to make a knife, but it's your, your ability to control what you have and then use exactly what you have to make what you want. Absolutely. Yeah. And I just texted you the pictures of what the material started as and how it oh. finished. Uh, and I'm going to post these up soon, uh, probably later today. Wow. And, um, yeah, it, it was fun. It was challenging and it came out great. Um, and I, I mean, so far they came out great. We'll see, uh, how things go through heat treat and, and final grinding. Um, they are super thin, um, because the material, like I said, it already started super thin. Um, but like from, I think the, the thickest or the widest area of the blade, uh, or the material before I started forging was only about an inch and a quarter. And I was able to, but that part actually had to get forged down uh, into what becomes the tang. So it was actually even narrower that then I pulled the heel down and got a two inch wide blade out of. Huh. Um, and so, yeah, and it, you know, it cleaned up and looks pretty good. Uh, what else is going on? I still got ha calendars. I just want to do a selfish promotion. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, right now, uh, I got calendars uh, and Blade Show in Atlanta's coming up. And so anybody go to that show, uh, either bring a new calendars or old calendars you got and get them signed by people uh, who are in those calendars because a lot of those makers are going to be at Blade Show in Atlanta. So uh, I got a link in my bio on Instagram. Uh, so go check that out. And I feel like I had one more thing. I can't remember what it is. So, well, question for you. Yeah. Back to back to the. Were you when you were younger? Were you good at math? Uh, basic math. Basic math. <laughs> Do you like math? Yeah, I think it's. I think it's. Interesting. No, back when you were a kid. Back when you were a kid, when you were going to school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I think my biggest problem with math classes that I was taking is I was. I, I was like constantly trying to prove myself to be smart. I don't know if it was to myself or to other people, <laughs> Yeah. but I, I would do great on homework <clears throat> for math. Uh, but when we took tests, I would blaze through the math test right. and I would make small, stupid little mistakes because I was more interested in finishing early or right. fast than actually taking the time uh, to do it. And, and uh, I, I, 
sometimes it, it worked out well for me, but oftentimes it didn't. And it's not be, and I, I would, I would get like B's and C's on most of my math tests because of these stupid small mistakes. Um, but again, <clears throat> it's because I was more focused on finishing rather than getting, uh, <laughs> I wonder getting... why that is because I used to do the same thing. I sucked at math. I hated math. Like yeah. I really, I had dyscalculus, which is like the dyslexia of math. Okay. I really didn't like math. I was also put in the slower classes and it was sure. like, you know, I went to a boy's school where, you know, you're, you're, you're getting your brains beaten out for any infraction. And so if you're in the, like the lower math class, I mean, you're getting your, you know, get tore up anyway. Right. And I learned to really hate math thinking I'll never, I'll never use math. And then I probably even thought I'm just going to, if I need math, but when I'm older, I'll just have a calculator in my pocket, which I do. Yeah. And What's interesting is, is I had to, in college, I didn't take any math classes. I was just like, there's no fucking way I'm taking math classes. And when I was making sculpture, there was never need for learning math because everything was so amorphous and I wasn't really, you know, you're buying material, but you're not really doing any math. When I got to Center for Mental Arts, I had to learn math. I had to learn it because I really wasn't very good at even reading a tape measure. I knew eighths and quarters, mm. and that was about it. You know, eh, I, you know what? I didn't even think I knew eighths. I knew an, one eighth. I knew one sixteenth. I knew quarter, half, three quarters, and an inch. That's, That's it. Because you always, oh, I was going to say, you knew eighths and sixteenths because you're always smoking weed. I, w- I don't even know what an eighth. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I don't even know what an eighth. I thought we were buying tenths. I don't even, and then oh. you, you know, you're driving on the, I have no Time idea. Bag, I, man. I have a totally, I'm, I was so bad with fractions. I was so bad with everything. And then when I was making, I remember making my first railing and I just, you know, went rounded up to the nearest quarter. You know, I didn't really think too much of it. And I had to learn it because I really wanted to, I loved the, the development of, of making railings. And for me to do better, I had to learn how to read a tape measure. And I mm-hmm. used to practice reading a tape measure. Sure. And I used to recite one sixteenth, one eighth, three sixteenths, one quarter, five sixteenths. You know, you understand. I'm not going to. I'm no, not going to sure. prove prove myself. But what it, one of the things I I notice sp- speaking to a lot of makers on full blast and also on here is. There's a lot of times where makers in general, knife makers, bladesmiths, blacksmiths will say, I didn't do, I hated school and I wasn't good at a certain subject. Like I hated math. Well, Jesse Savage, perfect example. He said, I hated school. And then after he finished school, he did terrible. He said, like, yeah, no, I didn't talk. I didn't know. He, after school, he fell in love with writing and he was, a, he became a published writer. He wrote poetry. Right. He's got like published books. Right. And you start to meet other people who said, I didn't hate school. And I didn't like it. And then. I didn't. I wasn't good at math, and then they found something that they loved. That they needed those things to have in place, and then they forced themselves to like them in order to get what they wanted. So basically, what I'm getting at is, when people say I'm not good at this or I'm not good at that, it's because you don't want to be good at it. Right. Yeah. I'm convinced that I made myself pretty good at math to the point where, like, I can, I can not only can I read a tape measure, but you know, when you're doing railings. You're doing a lot of division. You're dividing between pickets. You're dividing mm-hmm. center lines. You're looking at, you know, you, the difference between, you know, if you have a, a five eighths, a five eighths picket, and you have an inch and a quarter cap rail, and you have all this stuff. And I found myself, you know, it makes me think like a lot of makers. They go, but they go into these rooms where they're just saying, oh, "I'm not good at this," and that's just the way it is. Right. You know. I, I mean, I think it's easy to do that, and I honestly, I really struggled with 
school in general. Yeah. Like when I graduated, I barely graduated. The threshold for for graduation was a 2.3 GPA. I graduated with a 2.4. Huh. And I think my biggest thing I, I I well one I didn't have very solid I didn't have any study skills. Um two I was undiagnosed dyslexic and which made things challenging for yeah. sure. And three I hated doing the fucking work. I yeah. and like I loved learning. I love learning stuff. I'm oh, I'm always open and interested in learning stuff. Um but I hate doing all the busy bullshit work and that yeah. was the thing that really kicked me in the teeth because big part of your grade like <laughs> more than half at least when i was growing up more than half your grade was based on the bullshit work and so then and the rest of it was tests and so yeah i i always did great on tests and in fact when i fit after finishing high school when i got into college the classes i always thrived in were a lecture class that did tests but there was no busy work it was just lecture tests right. lecture tests and i took great notes and i was interested and engaged with the, with the stuff they were teaching and i would get a's on the class in the in the uh in the courses my senior year in high school my the only class i i got an a in was psychology and i think part of that was because i was really interested in in it but i had like art and other like basic ass bullshit classes <laughs> and psychology was the one i got an a in do you think that you did better in college than in high school uh, no. I mean, I really? think on paper I did better, but that's because I had more classes that were just straight lecture and test. No, um, I did way better in college and high school by a mile. Like my my mental state was, I felt like I'm taking someone's slot who should be here, who wanted to be here, and I, I felt like they, I felt like a terrible guilt. You're, it was probably early imposter syndrome, like I shouldn't be here. Well, I feel like. Because, I feel like you have this technique or, and I don't know if it's a conscious strategy, but of, of telling yourself stories like this that help, help you kind of push yourself. I don't know. Maybe I, I well, I mean, Not I thought they're you, like fake stories or wrong no, stories or whatever, but they're, you, you, it's this internal narrative that you have yeah. going on that helps push you to do things or to not do things. I, guess. I was pretty good at like the dangling the carrot. Okay. dangling the carrot having like some sort of goal but i remember getting i remember hating high school i hated my class i hate it now now it turns out i'm i'm very close with one of my high school friends i go to you go to you know i go to nick's games a lot but i wasn't nice. very close with my class and i hated my teachers and i hated the school and i and my parents weren't really kind of guiding me into like they weren't encouraging me they weren't saying hey look if you do this there's opportunities for you that you can you know get involved in you know like sure and it's and and you you get this you get the sense that you get the sense that a lot of people just they're not preparing their children for to say hey look you know what if you get good at this maybe you can well my kid for my kid now I'm like we're like yo this town sucks and if you if you want to get out you're gonna have to do a lot better to do it and she like figured it out but for me it was like getting better in school was in the beginning it was like I felt like. There could be another kid who really wanted to come to this college. And if I don't at least do a good job, like I had friends of mine who are, they were in classes and they fucking just smoke weed all the time, skip classes and then failed out. And I felt like that was a, that was like a wasted opportunity for someone else. So I just didn't want to be that, that person occupying a space and someone else could probably do a better job. So I felt like the need of like, you know, somebody else will do a better job. You better do something. So, um, 
And at that time in your life, were were your parents were they still together or they had already separated? No, they had, they had separated when I was in fourth grade, and oh, they wow. kind okay. of both were like, I mean, respectfully, they really wanted to get on with their lives. I mean, my my old man wanted to get on with his life. By the time uh, nineteen eighty, you know, by the time I was in the ninth grade, he got remarried, and he just wanted to kind of start over. So there was a lot of like. And then my mother, my mother was kind of trying to get her life together too. So there was a lot of, they weren't like encouraging me, um, to like, there are all these opportunities. And it was more along the lines of like, I needed to get the fuck out. And for some reason I went to Ohio. I, I wish I'd gone to school in New York, but I'm glad I went to the school in Ohio. But it, what's interesting is with makers is, you know, number one is you and I know that, you know, people find themselves, they find something that they love knife making is one of those things it's like it's it's relatively easy uh entry level to uh, uh this passion because it's really honestly it is i mean and you, I, I, it's you're not lifting anything over you don't have to learn how to make a railing you know you're not lifting over 25 pounds worth of stuff it's all very manageable to a certain degree with basic tools and stuff you find yourself doing something good and you're just like i love this i want to keep going but it seems as though that could be said with almost anything. Like, here's a good example. I want to learn another language. I, every time I go see somebody, I want to learn another language. When I see Tomer, I want to learn Spanish. Hmm. And then I always say to myself, I'm going to learn Spanish. And, but I don't. And it's, and, and then, but the reasoning always is, is just, I just don't have the time. Well, then my final answer is, well, you, you, obviously I don't want it bad enough. And that's really what it comes down to. Learning all this shit is you just don't want, if you're not good at it, just don't, you don't want to be good at it. You're just saying you're, what the fuck are we talking about? Yeah, no, I've, but it, no, I, th I think it's in line. I mean, it's part of the challenge. And a lot of people come into this craft um, because they're excited about it. And it, but sticking with it, especially the business right. side of things is the hard part and, and continuing to eke it out when maybe you don't have business coming in all the time or you don't have sales happening all the time and it, it's you know how much do you want it are you willing to put in the extra time to um develop your skills and techniques and your in your style so that it's uh something that people are more interested in um or making those connections and networking yeah. go to blade show and, and finding you know meeting some of the purveyors that could help get your name out there or putting time into TikTok or Instagram, yeah, um, which isn't always super fun, but getting your posts up and being super consistent and 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 collaborating or or engaging with the people who are following and commenting on your stuff, or even commenting on other people's work and having meaningful conversations through that platform. I mean, it's all part of it. But do you want it enough? Speaking of wanting it enough, will you? I've noticed that a lot of our friends are starting to get verified, and I know that. Instagram is starting to give that, you know, they follow what Elon Musk is. They're, they're, they're allowing people to, they're giving people the opportunity to get a subscription. And I think there are benefits involved and you get verifi verification check, but also like there's customer service and they give you more than just getting the blue check mark. Um, yeah. Would this be something that you would consider doing? I think I 100% would. Uh, and it's part of the reason is because last time I Googled Mount Mossy Fire Arts, I found like six or seven pages selling, quote unquote, selling my work. Really? Yeah. And I'm like, these motherfuckers. So I want to, I want people to make sure that they know that when they find my page, it's really me. And and Instagram, like all these platforms, or at least I, I can at least speak for Instagram, is that 
they they like they check your driver's license against your page and all this other shit or whatever sort of identification to make right. sure that it's actually you that owns and runs that page. Uh, so nobody can just be like, I want to be Malmasi Fire Arts today <laughs> and sign up because I know people were making fake accounts on Twitter uh, because I think Twitter was just straight selling check marks. Um, yeah, so that was funny. P.S. It, it Some was of those were funny. super funny. Um, so I think Instagram's trying to take it a little step further to verify that the people uh, are running those, actually running those pages or actually own those pages. And, um, and I think last I saw, I think it's, you can only do it not as a business, but only as a personal page. Right. I think. Well, you got to switch over to the personal page to get the music anyway. Like you can't have Spotify music if you're a business. I, I figured that one out. Oh, was, really? Uh, yeah. Okay. So if you swap down from business to personal page, you can have access to their music and all your reels and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, it's interesting because I was talking to a few people who got it and there's already this stigma of like, well, you just paid for it. And I was talking to Ben Camon on full, on full blast. And we were both saying, you know, he said the same thing you said. He's just like, I, I want to make sure that I have the verification that it's me. I would totally pay. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't have a problem paying. No. And, and, but there's going to be a stigma with, you know, these, you know, nickel and dime, you know, knife makers who are, is the why me, why me, you know, why does this always happen to me, guys? When I say that, I mean like, you know, why, well, come on, I'm not like that guy. They're going to start to say, well, he just paid for it. But at the same time, it's like, if you're running a business and you have the opportunity to have like a leg up, why not have a leg up? Yeah. I, I, I every time I get an article put up, I just had a couple articles put up. I fucking always click them and I and I and I submit to get the verification. And I always, I, I mean, I get the you know get the good names, and then mm -hmm. and then I put my shit in, and I'm like, all right, this is a new one. I'm putting a new article in, and then I still get denied. So, I'll you know, I'll uh, I'll ha but you you know what you you know how you can tell if someone uh, got the verification, they paid for it, or they didn't pay for it. I don't know. You have to have your face. You have to change your profile. So, like, you have to have your face in the profile picture. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So that'll be a, that'll be the tell. That's how you know Tomer Tomer Botner is going to be like holding holding that pride. That's a that's a different type of verification. You know, after you can keep the you can keep the logo of uh, of Florentine Kitchen Knives. You don't have to put his face <laughs> on there, which would be actually detrimental to his company because fun, interesting enough. Uh, when I talked to Tomer, he says that, you know, he created Florentine Kitchen Knives to right. be sold at some point if he wanted to. And he really tries to back off the personal part of him in his company. Sure. So for him to get his face on there, it almost, der not derails, but it's going against how he sees his company. I gotcha. There you go. That makes, but, uh, that makes sense. Uh, I'll have to look into that. Uh, gosh, I think... What was it? I was just going to say, oh, oh, something I saw the other day, um, a, a company or not company, but knife makers, Ma Maple Forging, um, hmm. just had a, a fire at their shop. Huh. Um, and if you go to their page, I'm just typing in right now, Maple Forging. Um, it's Maple Forging on Instagram. Uh, they have a GoFundMe link on their page. Um, but yeah, it looks like they had an Anyang, they had a surface grinder, they had a giant press, Ugh. Ugh, so many great things. They had a couple pianos stored in there. Um, 
Yeah, everything is destroyed. Hopefully, but they have insurance. I hope they have insurance. But, and it ain't gonna, sure. it ain't gonna and come got quick. Hurt, thankfully, um, but oh, God. yeah, All it's right. just you look at it and it looks like a boneyard. Ugh, it's terrible. I hate that shit. So God damn. Go give them some love, support, however you can, share. Um, but yeah, it's tough. Like when I see that happen, I'm just like, oh god, what, what the fuck would I do if that happened to me? I mean, I have insurance. We're insured to cover stuff like that. But at the same time, it still would be fucking devastating and a really huge pain that he has to have to deal with. That's Especially why since I'm not, I'm, I'm part of an, a larger building, just like you are. Yeah. I'm not the only one in the building. I just have a small corner, right? Well, that's why I come here in the middle of the night when I get nervous. Sure. Because, like, I get worried that uh, I told you uh, a number of months ago, I've been using my even heat to uh, stabilize, to, to dry out wood. Mm-hmm. And I've been using such high temperatures in, for stainless steel that after two years, oh, the, uh, the thermocoupler blue as it should it lasted a long time but they are replaceable right and it blew right when i had a pile of wood in at 200 degrees and we saw luckily i was here i mean it wasn't that big of a deal it was just smoke i mean obviously if wood catches on fire in your even heat it's not going to explode i mean it's it's going to contain it and there's just going to be smoke billowing out but i yeah anytime i have this feeling when i'm at home i think Ah, it's not so bad. Why don't you just run over to the shop? Or I'll say to my wife, I'm just going to run over to the shop real quick. And she goes, why? And I'm like, don't worry about it. And then I'll be like, I think I left something on. I think I left something on. And I always do that. But at the same time, it's like, you know what? Better safe than sorry. For sure. So, uh, well, God bless those people. And hopefully they uh, they figure it out. Right. Uh, uh, but in the meantime, let's get back into the show. This podcast, Knife Talk, is always sponsored by Combat Abrasives. If you go to combatabrasives.com, you put in the promo code Knife Talk 15, you're going to get 15% off your order. And let me tell you what 15% off looks when you when you strip 15% off your order as a lot of money because you buy belts you buy $200 of the belts 15% looks like a, and you're just like whoa that's some savings so go get yourself some of them combat abrasives get your whatever you need from there and put in that promo code knife talk 15 to 15% off um so that's that so yeah. we got plenty to do we can keep chatting i like this yeah. i like this we could chat we can um we can we have questions we also have listener feedback we have some buyer's remorse and we have the, we asked from last else. year so what well, uh and we also have one uh, why me why me what does this always happen to me your call my man all right your let's call. get into a couple questions first all i'll right. take this first one from navigator knife company do it uh, he says hey guys question slash dilemma for you two years ago i made a few knives for a good friend of mine one was a gift and he ordered uh the other knife for his wife they're both high carbon blades. I explained a few times uh, the extra care and maintenance they need. Last weekend, he gave me the knives tune up a bit. Uh, sorry, what? Gave me the knives. To, oh, gave me the knives to tune up a bit. I've never seen knives more corroded. They look terrible. Pictures below. Which yeah, he sent some pictures. I okay. can put them in. I know. They're bad. They're bad. They're bad. <laughs> they're bad. bad. I know. I know. They're only so. 
Uh, I know there's only so much a maker can do to encourage someone to care for their knife properly, but it is frustrating to see knives that I've made in such bad condition, especially if people see them. Um, I feel it reflects badly on me. Is there anything else I can do? Have you encountered this situation before? So he made these knives for a buddy and, uh, and he let them go to shit because he's, he needs stainless knives. He wants custom knives, but his friend doesn't make stainless, so he's got carbon, and he let them go to crap. I have two stories, um, I, but I would. But it, what's interesting is, is like I would think I would be interested in the difference between somebody, one of my customers, and one of your customers, because okay. your your ticket your ticket price is a little bit higher than mine. So, I, and th- probably this guy too. The 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 one story is is when I made the Cuban knives with Carl Ruiz. Mm-hmm. He specifically said. I want this to look like it was at the bottom of a pirate ship. Right. He specifically, for some reason, wanted it to look rusty. And fucking knife looked like there was one person. He literally let this good fucker go to shit. And it was fun. He loved it for some reason. That was his move. Yeah. And I'd be like, I'd see pictures of him like, oh, my God. And I'd send a message just like, you want to bring that in? I'll take care of it. He's like, no, I like it the way it is. It had rust. It had rust on it. He and to the point where there was one person, one person wrote in one of his they he put the picture of the, his Cuban knife up and he's somebody wrote, Where did you get that? The bottom of the Titanic, you know, it looked fucked up, but yeah. that's what he wanted. Nobody, yeah. I don't know anybody who's like that. I don't know anybody who <laughs> like specifically likes that. So, what do you, what do you, uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think, what is it? I, I did have a customer now that I'm remembering, uh, early on. It was one of the first customs I made, actually. And uh, the guy got the knife. I, I don't know. I think he sat on it for a while before he finally felt comfortable using it. And uh, it was a few months after I'd shipped it to him, and I got an email back. Hey, I was cutting lemons for margaritas the other night, yeah. and now the knife is looks like shit. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. And I had the conversation with the guy. I told him what difference was between carbon steel and stainless. Um, and and we even from the from the get we were doing the uh, the care sheets discussing right. that as well. How to care for the knife, uh, you know, washing properly and rinsing, or whatever, keep it dry, all that stuff. And he still has and. I, I, I told the dude, you know, you, I'm happy to fix it for you. Send it back. But you need to know this is carbon steel. This is what's going to happen. And I think maybe the person felt like an idiot and they never sent it back to me <laughs> to, That's... To, to clean it up. And so they just sucked it up or I don't know what, figured out a way to clean it off. Barkeeper's friend will do the job. Um, what's Barkeeper's friend? Barkeeper's friend. It's, a, it's been around since 1883 or some shit like that. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a cleaning agent. Uh, it's got a mild oxalic acid in it, uh, which literally comes from the oxalic plant, or oxalis. Anyways, um, and it's got like a, a like pumice in it um, as a like a mild abrasive. And so you kind of scrub it in there, and and I think some like some some sort of soapy dish soap agent. Huh. But you just 
get it on there and scrub it around and it helps kind of abrade and clean things up. It helps clean rust and stuff off countertops and, and in pans and, and inside sinks. And it's clean. It's, I mean, it's like Comet. I don't know if you know what Comet is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm old. I know what Comet (laughs) is. (laughs) (laughs) Kidding me? Old man. Yeah. I'm fucking old. I know what a Comet is for Christ's sake. (laughs) So the the, the dispenser looks like the, the, your, your, your shower uh, drain. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so it, I mean, and the barkeeper's friend, it has the same deployment system, um, where you peel back the sticker off the top and it's just got a few great holes in the <laughs> top yeah. of it, but it's the same fucking thing. It's a, it's a, and, and you, I guess it's used for cleaning kitchens and bars huh. and whatever, That's but anyways, cool. barkeeper's friend will help pull that back. In fact, somebody sent me a message and they had a knife that was all messed up and they're like, I don't know what to do about this. And I was like, Oh, Oh, oh. it was, uh, uh, their, their partners knives. They were like, uh, carbon steel Japanese knives. And I was like, barkeeper's friend, get some barkeeper's friend, clean it up. I should do his job. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I had a guy, I even, I even talked about a guy I had a, a year ago. He was he was specific. He wanted, and one of our listeners fixed the problem. He wanted a he he was dead set on a Damas a full tank Damascus knife with a coa handle, and it was like I got it from Bob Rankin. Got the steel. Always get it from him. He does a great job. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, I explained to him I, as soon as he said he wanted a full tank Damascus knife. You're already like, all right, this guy is like. He's just, he wants that, he wants a Ferrari with the, you know, the golden mud flaps. You know what I'm saying? It's just some, some, you know, some bullshit, you know, (laughs) kind of, you kind of know. You're just like, as soon as someone says they want a Damascus full tank knife, you kind of already know what's going on. And um, so he's like, I know, I know all about it. I know all about it. Well, I said, well, just, you know, keep it clean, keep it dry. If you're going away, you know, maybe, you know, going away for a while, he would go to, you know, Florida or go over this place. I said, you know, get a little bit of mineral oil. And you can give it a slick of mineral oil, or you get some whatever, sure. yeah. and then that'll at least keep the uh, keep it from anything happening if it's like if there's weird humidity and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, all of a sudden, I get a message from one of our listeners saying, "I got one of your knives in my shop." He's uh, I forgot his name. He's an awesome dude. He does uh, knife sharpening and knife restoration. I was just like, "Oh shit!" Somebody you know got one of my knives, and I, as soon as I saw it, he showed me the before and after. He did an awesome job. He did an awesome job cleaning up. But he said, "This your knife looked fucked up when it got here, and it makes you do feel you do feel like I've done done something wrong. Right. Right. I felt as also I've done something wrong. I didn't teach this guy enough." And he said, "Well, he had used olive oil to seal the blade, oh. and olive oil gets rancid, it does. and this motherfucker turned into like you know like a heap a heap of scrap." I mean, yeah. he he really worked hard to fix it, and I was emba- I was embarrassed, frankly. I really was embarrassed because I'm just like this guy listens to goddamn knife talk too, and right. it's easy to think I'm you know slipping people the banana in the tailpipe, <laughs> and he fixed it. All worked out well, but you got to really like I now I'm writing like very specific letters saying, look, this is the, what's going to happen, and it reminds me of customers not listening. Mm-hmm. It happened a couple uh, a week or so ago. I got a message from Alice, and one of our customers had this knife, and then the, this was the email. I love the knife. It's beautiful. It's not as sharp as I'd like it to be. How do you feel about me using, and then she wrote uh, some electric pole sharpener, you know, and I wrote back, uh, 
don't use the electric pull sharpener because they're, you know, and I explained the whole thing that they're yep, meant yeah. for certain angles. It's just, there's a lot of subtleties involved that just probably won't work very well. I said, send it back to me. I will, you put it in the mail to me the day I get it, I will fix it. I'll give it a cleanup. I'll give it a, I'll give it a zhuzh. I'll give it the spa day and I'll have it back in the mail the same day it arrives. She said, okay, awesome. Great. Puts it in the mail, arrives. She had already pulled it through the pull sharpener. Like oh, I could Christ. tell, because if you look at those those electric pull sharpeners, yeah. it's like, I mean, it is as if she sharpened the knife with a right angle grinder with a rock on it. <laughs> I mean, you see those lines. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, well, and also the problem with those, any of those pull through sharpeners is that you can't get it evenly sharpened from the heel of the knife out towards the tip. There's always going to start like somewhere just in front of that heel and it's going to dip it in and it's going to get all fucked up there i was just going to say that it was clear when they put it in they're not putting it from the end they're sticking in and then rubbing around in there and they're missing the tip and then they're missing the heel and it was like i mean it was i mean i would i looked at it and I, and I thought to myself did i send this out like this And i was just like there's just no way so the funny <laughs> part was is is i said i fixed it no problem fix it put it back in no, I got, you know, as all of us knife makers know, no one ever says, writes a note saying, I either received it or I love it or I got it. And it send you a message when there's a problem. But I could tell that right. she'd already said, like, maybe, maybe, who knows? Maybe she'd already pulled, you know, maybe that's her move. Like, she pulls it out of the drawer to every knife and she just runs it through that motherfucker. And then, you know, she's, but it was a little bit, there was a little bit of an insulting part. Sure. Because she said... It's just not as sharp as I'd like it to be, and I'm not using it as much because it's not as sharp. Well, she fucking screwed it all up, but I, you know, I, I made a whole big point of, I try to make a whole big point with, you know, you send it to me, I'm not going to charge you, I'll give it a cleanup, I'll give it a sharpen, I'll get it back on the road, and then it's the idea of these people thinking, wow, that was fast, and this guy stands behind his shit, and he'll take care of it, and hopefully you'll find people who will actually listen. Because this guy, this guy you know, in, the, in, the, in the thing... He knows he said something. And you know what you said to the guy with the margaritas. I know what I said to the guy who, with the fucking olive oil on the blade. But they just don't goddamn listen. And it's, it's maddening. Yeah, I think, I think part of it, too, is that people, there's so much marketing bullshit around how to maintain and take care of knives. And I guarantee she uses this pull-through sharpener right. like, a honing, like a honing rod, right? which is not the same thing. And and she's gotten used to using it like a honing rod on whatever bullshit knives she has before yours. And so, yeah, it, it, and so she probably used the knife for a little bit. And then, you know, knives need to be honed every once in a while. So right. what does she do? She uses her quote unquote hone, which is this electric sharpener and chewed it up and... <laughs> And I mean, it still I, wasn't cutting, and that's the other thing. Is like, and like you said in your email to her, is like, don't use, don't use the the thing because the angles. I I guarantee that angle on whatever the set angle on that is different, is not the same, right? Not even close. You know what? I, I started to think about like I I wonder with three D three D printing and all these things if we could figure out a way. I thought maybe there's a way that we could make some sort of product that helps figure out the angle. Most people, most, I'm going to say civilians, but I mean, that's just the way it is. 
most people are intimidated by using whetstones. I I see. Yeah, I saw a video. Uh, ben Camone. Uh, ben Camone had a video where he's sharpening his knife. He put tape on one side before oh, yeah, let the edge go. And and you're just like you are a little intimidated because you're just like you know one false swoop and I'm gonna put a big old scratch on my very expensive knife. I wonder <laughs> if there was a way we could figure out like some 3D printing like a ramp or something to make sure that you you know I thought about making a a board that you're whetstone sits in so it's flat against the board and then you make like a specific ramp that you kind of you know stick to your knife and then you just kind of run it back and forth and it guarantees that you're not um that you're not that you're getting the right angle i, I there's got to be something that's going to be a, the knife game can figure out a way that yeah. you could an easier way to sharpen that makes people less intimidated so there are actually a few different angle products uh they're called angle guides and one is a, just a, like a little rubber ramp that you just set right on the stone and then you start the knife on the ramp and then you kind of lock things up and then move the knife across the stone um there are others that clip to the spine of the stone or uh, to the spine of the knife oh yeah and um and those are actually i mean they all have a place they all have a job the the one the the ones that clip to the spine i like best because you can kind of move them you you have that reference on the spine are actually on the knife physically on the knife with you as you're moving the knife around and you do need to move it a little bit here and there you can't just keep it clipped in one spot right. but if you have it clipped like near the handle and then you just push you know you do a couple push and pulls uh just in that section then you slide the guide over and then you do it again and slide it over and and then you do the last little bit and you flip it over do the same thing that will make a huge difference but yeah i think there need to be a stones need to be make their way back into people's kitchens because right. so many things are designed to ruin your knives unfortunately and i think it's <clears throat> i have this conspiracy that like the Go companies ahead. don't give a fuck that their knives last for could or not last forever but last an extremely long time that's that's not their business their business is to sell you shit and so as as quickly as that thing goes bad and you have to reinvest or buy another one they're happy to sell you another one right and so but the price i mean the price to the price i mean you know how much of these regular i mean i bought i know that i bought a cheap japanese knife at one point just to get an idea what it will look like mm -hmm. for like 35 bucks it's like no. it, it, why would they spend any money or, or even those open eel knives they're oh, not sure. really meant for like. I mean, they're not meant for like long maintenance. They're just like you fucking. They're ex so cheap. You're just like, I just get another one. It's not a big deal, right? But it's the question of. I mean, then you see these companies that are buying. They're building their whole model off of the maintenance game because, like, you're right. You're exactly right. Like Wusthof and all those guys, they don't really spend that much time and energy in terms of making that maintenance easy on your knives. No. You know, and you're not seeing as many guys like you who are professional knife sharpeners. People right. send their knives to the goddamn hardware store, and right. it's like these dudes, these dudes are hitting it up with the 36 grit stone on their bench on their grinder. Bench grinder. <laughs> I mean, they're used to. I mean, that might work for your lawnmower, but goddamn, you know, <laughs> some bullshit, some bullshit. But hey, listen, you know what I would do? What would you? You know what I would use if I was fixing up a knife like this guy's knife is all fucked up, and I needed to give it a hand sand. I know what. I'd use some Vendasi USA Rhino Wet, ladies and germs. I would use the best stuff. I love 
I love RhinoWet. Thank God for for Nick Wheeler who turned me on to RhinoWet. And RhinoWet, thank you should RhinoWet in Das USA. You better go call Nick Wheeler and thank him because he got everybody on the <laughs> RhinoWet train. And if you go to TexasFarriersSupply.com and put in the promo code Knife Talk Ten, you're going to get ten percent off your RhinoWet and everything else at Texas Ferry Supply. So stop it. Stop fooling around with that nonsense drywall news. You get the drywall sandpaper, you're out. It's out. You get per- purple. Those purple sandpaper, you give it a you can't you can't do anything with it. Get yourself some rhino wet. Stop playing and just do me a favor. If you don't believe me, just get some 220 and see how it goes. So uh Dossi USA, Texas Ferry Supply, Knife Talk 10. I want to step back to Go the ahead. sharpening real quick with do Ben. It. The video of him sharpening. He's got this great little sharpener. And I looked into those things because uh, I've always, I, I love the. What did it look like? It's like this tiny little benchtop horizontal stone sharpener, which is a, a Japanese style machine for for sharpening uh, for knives. I, but usually the Japanese ones or the big one, the standard size are like two feet or like a foot and a half in diameter. And, um, and this was a cute little like maybe eight inch, 10 inch wheel. And, um, and I loved it. And, but they're the things, I think the company is, they're made by Makita. And so the fucking things are like $300 or something like that, $400. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know, that might not be a bad move because they have like a little water hopper that just slowly drips water onto the stone while it's rotating around. Yeah. It's, and it's got like an angle guide so you can adjust the angle height or the adjust the angle for sharpening the thing it's pretty slick rig um and i was actually i was looking at the tormax and i was like i wonder if there's a way for torment to like do sharpen a tormax or sharpen on the stone on the on the side of a tormax stone rather than on the the edge of it because what's great about doing it across along the side of the stone is you just have more surface engagement it's more stable you're less likely to accidentally fuck something up and dig it out yeah and you know it, the the more you can relieve uh or reduce any of that chance of messing things up the more the, the better things are going to be like i i sharpen my knives in a very weird way and it's it was super awkward when i first started learning or or developing this approach but basically the edge of the knife is vertical so that i'm engaging more of the platen when i'm initially setting the geometry i see so I see. instead of it being perpendicular to the platen and only about two inches maybe being engaged i've got like four inches right. of the blade over the platen and that way I'm, it's more stable it's less likely especially back at the heel uh or just in front of the heel to accidentally undercut um or I guess over sharpen right. and, and, and cut shit away and get that little whoop in the belly there. Uh, and which was actually something I still, after all these years was still struggling with. And so, and then I go from that to the finish on the stone in like, uh, maybe five minutes. I got a great edge and I'm ready to rock and roll. And yeah, I love it. So, but that large surface area engagement is what's crucial. Right. So, you're 100% right. I actually had that problem where when I was sharpening with belts, I would have 
maybe I was holding it to, I would hold it like almost like a 45 degree angle from the platen to try to engage more platen. Sure. And I thought I was yeah. not going to, because I was afraid I was going to get gouges. Like I was afraid the belt, you know, the belts curl up a little bit. Yep. And I was afraid, especially on a straighter knife, like a, like a, um, like a fillet knife, I would take a little bit, you know, there'd be some, you know, it wouldn't be straight. You know, right. I'd have a little pull out, like you were saying, a little like dip and stuff like that. Right. And I had to go back to the Tormac because I really liked how slow it was. And right. I wasn't, and I was taking less material out in a very, very con- conducive way. It's very interesting you say if you could turn a Tormac on its side and you would use, so the circle's spinning, but it's not spinning towards you, it's spinning around. So the circle is flat. And then you, I see guys like, um, Don Wynn uses his uh, disc grinder. Like oh, yeah, that, yeah. He, He's got a lot of guys will take their disc grinder and they'll put it on its side so the disc is is flat. And then that's and then they're basically pushing down on it. And that way is definitely a really cool way. Tormac would have to completely re- redesign their whole system because the water wheel is so simple because there's no mechanism bringing the water in. The water's sitting in uh, when a, with the Tormac. The wheel's mm-hmm. spinning. But they have a little tr- removable trough. The trough kind of like fits in the water, and then as the wheel spins, it's just pulling the water up. Right. So there's no there's no water feed. But I would think that you'd have to figure out some sort of water feed and make sure that the water doesn't just go into the motor and short it out right away. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, no, no. They, there's got to be. A, I th- I feel as though the the knife making community will have to figure out an easier way to educate people and make them not so intimidated about sharpening. The one thing that you and I both, uh, when we were at um, JB Prince, we were talking to Tim Musig, who's an awesome guy. He was really telling us, I don't know, telling us or telling me or telling whatever. He was talking about ceramic hones. And Mm -hmm. he really changed the way I thought about that in between sharpening sure with the ceramic cones ain't nothing better than a ceramic cone no, i mean that I is the, the easiest ceramic. way to, that's the easiest the easiest way to get just to get a little tune-up i mean it is shocking yeah you know? so well look at this this fucking knife talk dude we're not no dick jokes yet nothing um <laughs> so we can do another couple questions we can do something else i mean i call. think we covered that one pretty thoroughly all we right. can maybe come back to questions let's, right. let's let's kind of pepper them all around let's look at you look at you robin look at you we can do uh listener feedback or we could do some buyer's remorse let's do uh let's do the listener's feedback all right listener feedback guys if you go to instagram and you go and you look up knife talk podcast you send us a DM. That's how you interact with the show. We usually, you know, a couple of days before we record, send a little, you know, send up the smoke signals. We need your help. Um, and it's a fun way to kind of see what's going on. Uh, so go to Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. The first one comes from Paul Jans and our buddy Paul Jans. And last week we were talking about lightning striking in houses. Uh, remember we were talking about electricity last week. Uh, Paul Jansen said, here's my lightning story that sounds fake, but it's real. That's the funny thing is now I've, I've made stories who could potentially sound fake. I said, this is a bullshit story. So everyone's already immediately saying, it's not a bullshit no, story. No, no. It's totally true. <laughs> here's my lightning story. My great uncle was in an open cab tractor trying to finish work in a field before a storm got there. He took a direct hit while he was on the tractor, stopping his heart. He fell off the tractor, and when he hit the ground, the jolt from the impact restarted his heart again. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? God bless. Can't stop my... What is that song? Can't stop my heart? Can't start my heart? Uh, (laughs) Paul Jansen, that's a good one. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. Um, 
Well, God bless. Good thing he fell from a tall tractor. Yeah. No <laughs> if I mean, he's on a mini excavator, he's fucked. <laughs> oh yeah. If he was walking down the street, he'd be fucked too. So God bless the tractor, the tractor community. We are with you. Um, Natural State uh, Forge says last episode you guys were talking about disposable nature of Dremels and how sometimes they are a necessary evil. I too have been burned by the shit quality of a Dremels and have recently been introduced to the magic of the Fordham Flex Shaft rotary tools. They'll do pretty much everything a Dremel will do while uh, also being more powerful and lasting a lifetime. We have some ancient ones in our metal studio at the school and have been abused by students for years and are still going strong with just... uh just a thought for anyone else tired of suffering from those mediocre tools. Love the show. Thanks for the laughs and all those hot, hot tips. Yeah. Have you used those Fordham machines? I, I have one. I have you have an, one? I have an old one. Right. And that's the thing about them. They're like they're like those old Toyotas and Nissan pickup trucks. Like They fucking keep going. You got to do some really bad shit to make them mess up. And if if anything goes out on it, it's it's only the uh, it's not the motor. It's usually like the flexible arm. But the flexible right. arms are replaceable for like fifty bucks or something like that. So if you can find one second hand, get it because they are super handy and they're more. They're not torque driven like a Dremel. Like I'm sure you've been grinding on something with the Dremel and then you catch a bad angle or a bad edge and it just runs away. Yeah, it runs away. Fordham doesn't really do that. Huh. And. Uh, yeah, they're, it's nice. Yeah, they're they're great. And like I said, the one I have was a hand me down that I think was a that somebody else bought second hand. Like one of the, the they got a Dragon's Breath Forge second hand, and then I got it from them. They were they were ready to just give it away or whatever. So I was like, I'll take that. <laughs> and so it's basically a motor that you hang, and there's a long yep. flexible shaft with a wand where you put your bits in. And yep. I would imagine I, we had one at Center for Metal Arts, and uh, our our, uh, our sculptor Megan was the one who was using it very often. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that the idea is that it takes the weight out of your hand a little bit. It's not as heavy as a, you can hold it more like a pen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can kind of choke up on it and get yeah get really in there, just like you would holding like a pen or any other yeah. kind of writing tool. Because, I mean, I would think, I mean, holding a Dremel like a pen is like, I mean, it's like holding like a fucking eggplant. I mean, it's, it's like, it's totally ridiculous. I mean, it's just like, there's no way. Right. And I hold, I hold the Dremel. I usually have it in my hand, like, I'm holding a, never mind what I'm holding. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm holding my dick, honestly. I mean, if you really want to talk about it, you know, you know. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's how you I hold see. it. So the, the heel of your hand is what, towards the, towards yeah, the. Yeah, my t- thumb is at the top and I wrapped around a little bit. <laughs> that's how you hold it. I mean, that's how I hold it. I mean, you know, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I might be, it depends on the time of day it is. You know, I might be holding it somewhere different. So there you go. Um, I, I have some listener feedback. Go ahead. That I don't think we've brought up yet. So our friend, I don't know if Russell Tinsley can't make knives on Instagram. He's a good dude. He, uh, he messaged me directly uh, a little while back. And I guess he was rolling along and listening to the podcast, and his eight-year-old was in the car, Uh-oh. and he's like, this is what I get for trying to be the cool dad. And it was oh, the no. episode we were talking about, <laughs> this how Santa Claus and the Tooth oh, Fairy no! aren't real, and the no! kid was like, what? <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard. He, and oh, he's like he's no. totally he's good with it. The kid was eight, so it was like probably on the cusp of figuring that out, anyways. Oh but no! But we uh, we brought the news, and so 
Oh no! I guess no. it's too late to warn anybody. I should have. I should have had a warning. God damn it! I didn't realize that people were still <laughs> listening to their kids. I thought that that was done. I thought listening with you your kids in the car that. is done. Ugh. No. We, we I'm part it. of the. It's my fault. I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. I owe you now. I feel terrible because I, I said to my kid, "Don't be the person that breaks the news. You don't want to be part of that trauma that they'll always remember." Now I'm the because that was my fault. <laughs> I, I did mean, that. We're all part of it. You, uh, and I, you know, we could have. We could have. I'm sorry, my brother. I apologize. <laughs> and to your son, you know, listen. You know what? You're on the road to life. <laughs> now we got some real shit to that. Now listen. Let me talk to that eight year old. Now listen. You got to ask some other questions to your dad because he might be not telling you all the, you know, the ain't no stork. You know what I'm saying? You didn't come with him delivery for the stork. So you got to ask about the stork. There's other things you need to ask your parents about because they've been letting you astray. I'm not going to lead you astray. So, all right. Well, that's funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm kind of not sorry. To be honest with you. I, mean, I mean, that's kind of the job of the, you know, radio shock jock is to, you know, you know, Ruin have some, some takes. Day. You got to have yeah. a take, some type, you know. So yeah. there you go. That's a good one fucking good one and i apologize uh, kind of <laughs> fine um we have uh nick alpin nick alpin says hey guys catching up on old episodes after having the wind knocked out of my sails by a health scare my wife experienced earlier this year i appreciate how you all check in on each other something that i hope becomes more common among men i especially mm. get a kick out of jeff or Mareko sharing a touching tidbit about their lives and craig responding with right <laughs> craig yeah that's the one thing about craig <laughs> craig 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 likes you know like he likes to worm out of you know uh, real feelings but He's that's English. fine yeah well well god jesus christ He's from great britain i think that's their thing Fine, fine. Uh, dusting off the cobwebs and getting back into making has led to some mistakes, so the stories you and all your listeners share help taper the frustration. As always, the three of you and the listener, uh, as always, you three and the listeners serve as inspiration. Now more than ever, lightheartedness and a sense of community uh, serves as a respite for the toxicity of modern-day life. All the best to you and your families. And to um, the last guy and his uh, last guy you were talking about, the tooth fairy's fucking fake too. <laughs> so, and the Easter Bunny. Well, let's just get it all out of the way. <laughs> Easter Bunny is some bullshit. Tooth fairy is some bullshit. All of it. Leprechauns. So, you know, leprechauns. Yeah. Don't fucking <laughs> fall for the banana tailpipe, my little brother. I am with you. Your parents are fooling with you. So that's that. So we got. Um, but you know who's not fooling with us? Maritime Knife Supply. Maritime Knife Supply is your one-stop shop for knife makers, steel belts, abrasives. Uh, handle material, tools, forges, kilns, all that stuff. They're the Canadian distributor of combat abrasives and the Canadian distributor of Broadbeck Ironworks too. So if you want to go get some Rhinoette, you want to go get anything you need to resupply or stock yourself up, go get yourself some of that Maritime Knife Supply. Go to MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. And if you're in the United States, it's just as fast as everybody else. If you're in Canada, they're the ones to go to. He's got the most. And if you're looking for something that he doesn't have, Lawrence Lake is also a knife maker, and he, I'm sure he can get it for you if you need it. So go to MaritimeKnifeSupply.com, MaritimeKnifeSupply.ca. Also, they he just, the New England School of Metalwork, he just made a... Uh, the scholarship just got for the first scholar just got oh, awarded. Nice. So you know he's doing a lot for the community. So go support uh, oh, yeah. Lawrence Lake Maritime Knife Supply dot com. Yeah, let's go back to the question. I got another question. Go here. ahead. 
All right. We're on fire, dude. And, you're, and it's like 4 o'clock in the morning for you. <laughs> it's 6.56 right now. Well, it should have gone. gone it's early. It's definitely you're, early. We're, we're, call, we're hauling ass. <laughs> uh, this is from... Uh, Wow, Jesus, how do you say this? I think it's Waitara Knives. Waitara Knives, yeah. Hey, fellas, question about tempering. So so far, I've only ever made small knives uh, that fit in the oven for the temper. What's the best process for tempering large blades that don't fit in the oven? Thanks. Uh, and then he says, always been curious how they do it on Forge and Flyer. In the third round, I've l- I'd love to know. They always make a big deal about the quench, but never show the temper. Uh, I'll start there, actually. So, shoot, even heat can make as big of a kiln as you need. I've right. seen three foot and four foot long even heat kilns. So, if you need it, they can make it. I have uh, what is it? I have an LB twenty seven, and I was doing a sword out of that out of that thing. So, I actually ended up the the only part I need to actually be hard was the blade, right? And so right. the blade was uh, 20 inches or something like that. Uh, or no, no, no. The blade was 26. And thank God that it's the LB because that way I was able to put the tip almost all the way to the bottom without torching it. Um, but I had to cut a hole in the door. Or no, no. That's not what I did. I took the door all the way off. And then I used some kale wool on the, on the top. You're the man. That's a fucking awesome idea. And so I took the I took the door off and I put kale wool on the top um, and then and then I I, li- I had two large bricks um, holding the kale wool in place but it also gave me somewhat because I had a clamp clamp to the blade it had, uh, clamp to the tang and so it gave me a place to rest uh, the thing too um, but uh, yeah I just. Basically, I've thought about this before for other large knives, especially after the first time I was on Fortune Fire. I was like, "Oh fuck," because I I did it for I want I needed to make the whole thing fit in the forge for Fortune Fire, and it was just it was I was really pushing it, and um and I ended up doing a short tang because actually a traditional thing for old swords is that they would scarf weld on some extra material to to put on the tang that way they weren't wasting blade material in the tang anyways. Um, but I should have made a pass through or taken the door off. Um, so if you need more space, you can do that. Uh, kale wool is typically pretty available. You can buy it either offline or you can go to a local ceramic store. Um, cause it's commonly used for lining heat treating kilns and other kind of things. Um, and then, uh, yeah, otherwise you just need to get it. If you're going to be doing a lot of bigger blades, you, you should just get a bigger kiln. Could you just go to like Home Depot and get fire brick and build, you know, just open your door of your kiln and build like a state, you know, up. build like a build it out, you know, a little square. And I mean, I, I would mean, imagine. Honestly, yeah, I think I think you could. I think you'd um, it, tempering. You don't have to go that high anyway. No, and you're, exactly, if you have yeah. most of your blade in the in the oven oven part, who gives a shit about your your you don't have to fool around too much, right? Yeah, and you yeah. could probably just do it. You know, do four, do it two hours. Maybe your your handles in, not in the thing. Do it another two hours, and then you turn it around and do it two hours the other way. Yeah. Who cares? The same think, temperature. Why not? Why not? I actually do think that would work. I mean, because it doesn't you, matter you how many times you temper it. You just have to do more it. cycles. 
Yeah, yeah no, it doesn't. You just do more cycles. It's, that's the move, What what Watara. You you get yourself like, uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. who knows how many bricks. You build the whole thing out. You shove it in. I would imagine you could probably, if it's a simple steel, that it's not like, I wouldn't go with the stainless steel. I bet you could heat treat that way. You know, you're only going to 1475 if your even heat can handle it and it's well insulated. And if your blades, most of your blades in the in the oven part where the coils are, mm-hmm. I bet you could heat treat a longer. You know what? Fucking good, man. That's a fucking real good one. God damn, that was a real good one. And what do they do in Forge and Fire? How do they temper the uh, all the knives? Because they don't show it. They don't show it. So typically, um, at least when I first was on the show, the, the first day of competition... Uh, or the first round of competition, the first and second round are made to look like it's all happening like con- consecutively, like one right after the other. Um, but there's actually, uh, the first round was filmed on one day, and then they would temper the knives that uh, went on. They would temper them overnight. And then on the second day, you would wear all the same clothes and then uh, and then f- compete in the second round. Do they make you like smear your face with dirt so it's like There's the same? a makeup artist there. She's great. She's a great gal. And she's like she's scuffing you up and putting makeup on and Oh my god, shit. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. So if you go on the show, make sure you do a good job making yourself super fucking dirty. Oh. Because it's it's pretty funny. So they make you fun. <laughs> so wait, let's let's just back, talk about that. So so first day is what? And this, the first day is the forging, and then they do the judging on the first day? Yeah, so the first day is the for- They give you some parameters. They, they want you to make a 12 to 14-inch camp knife with a, for whatever reason, <laughs> a 5-inch yeah. or a 7-inch handle. Um, you you got to make it in that style. You got to make it in that style within those perimeters. You're forging from some bullshit or from a ball bearing or from whatever. And then whoever doesn't make it, Usually somebody doesn't make it in the parameters or doesn't get finished. Um, and then, so that person usually doesn't continue on. Then the knives are heat or tempered overnight because you've hardened them because they have to be hardened in the first round, typically. Um, and, and then so the they, first day of judgment is the second day then. Uh, like, does the first guy, does the first, first guy who gets eliminated go on the first, does he still go, does he get eliminated yeah. on the first day? so it's after the judgment that they put the knives into the temper, which is actually, now oh. that I think about it, it's kind of sketchy because if, like, if some, <laughs> if oh, yeah. a production assistant or one of the judges or somebody accidentally drops it and it still hasn't been tempered yet, that fucking knife could shatter into a hundred pieces. <laughs> yeah, because it's your, your uh. full, you're not even, because you're, you're heat treating out of a forge especially if you're not right super super good at it you're most likely going to be hotter than it would be your you're oil's probably maybe not the right temperature for sure yeah there's all sorts of shit that can go on i'm surprised that it takes so long for them to get to the temper i would think that they would do something yeah huh. so and i think the way they're filming now is they're doing like two days so they'll start the first round of an episode early in the day and then they'll and then they'll do the judging and stuff and temper them or maybe they i can't remember and then and then second half of the day starting at like three o'clock in the afternoon they'll film us a separate episode huh and but then those poor fuckers are in the studio until like 12 o'clock at night oh my god (laughs) poor fucking doug micarta oh yeah and yeah i I don't know why he doesn't change his name to to mike micarta i mean it's like it's right there (laughs) It's right there. right there. I mean, it's just like, come on, man. He should be have his own micarta business. 
How come he doesn't have his own Mercada business? Markita is my Markita. Oh my god! How come I can't no one's figured that? that? How come Mercada. no one's How come you haven't figured that out yet? Why are you Mark. selling all these? You know, you're you know, he's flexing in the mirror, doing the you know, doing the <laughs> flippy flop, the flippy flop with all the knives. <laughs> Why don't you get in the Markita business? Markita's Mark Mycarta. God damn that! Markita. Why not? You, Mycarta. I you could get oh like <laughs> you could get all these guys to get involved, and you you could do something crazy, and that's the business. I'll shoot him Mark, a text. My car, Markita's Mycarta. Yep. He'd sell a shit ton. He would sell a shit ton of of Mycarta. Oh my god! Do you have any idea how many of these goddamn knuckleheads would buy Mycarta? Markita, Mycarta. They can't even <laughs> pronounce it. It's so great. It's so good. Wait, stop. Flexing in the mirror with your flippity flop knives. Get yourself in real business. Have yourself a, you know, have one of these guys making micarta. A passive income. I mean, seriously. And then, you, then now you, you see, he sells all these knives to these guys for all these people to do the flippity flop in the in the mirror, and then you know, sell it to the knife makers who are. Doug, listen to me. I, I mean, you, come on, stop it with the flippity flop. Sell the fucking Markita Markarta. I can't even flip it out. That's hilarious. You sound but you like know, Jerry Seinfeld right now. I feel it. I watched Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> last night. We watched us. Uh, we my wife and I were waiting for a kid to come out of uh, music practice, and we were eating dinner. We let's, let's put Seinfeld is easy episodes when you're not doing anything because you know oh, yeah. we already watched them all. So it's just like it's just gonna be these funny things. But you know, I found out. Did you know that on? Oh, this is a Forge and Fire thing. You know that all their grinders are Broadback Ironworks grinders. I did. So, if you guys want to, you know, fool around with your Markita micarta, go get yourself some of that, and then also go get yourself some of the Broadback Ironworks. Make it to the two by seventy-two grinders. They are knife makers making grinders for knife makers and woodworkers and metal workers. And if you're if you're moving material, if you're removing material, use a Broadback. And if you go to BroadbackIronworks.com, put in the promo code Knife Talk two hundred, you get a two hundred dollars off their grinder packages, the Max Premium and the Mega. You put in Knife Talk one hundred, you get a hundred dollars off their sharpening system, surface belt grinder, their surface grinder, and then their leather sewing sewing machine. They're doing great stuff. We all have broadbacks, and we're very behind them. And I really, really appreciate their support. There, uh, Vince is going to be on this month. Um, I'm excited to have him on. We're going to talk with him, fool around with Vince. And um, thank you, Broadback Ironworks, for all your support. Markita's Micarta. God damn it! How come no one's figured that one out? Micarta. I mean, he seriously. He could be like he could be the. I mean, he could be like the the Coy Baker of of, of handle material. Oh, of you know, Mark it's Carta. like, yeah. I, why? How come no one's ever said? I mean, maybe someone said that. I don't think that. I don't think though. I don't think so though. Okay, well, let, let's do the. Uh, let's do the. What is it? This is you know what you should do. That's the the bit of like you know what you should do. Or oh, yeah. is my carta. So I'm getting better at it. By the way. Good job. You just gotta keep practicing it. Yeah, you gotta keep practicing. It takes a while. So you want to go questions? We can. We also have uh, buyer's remorse. Let's do the buyer's remorse. All right. So last week uh, we had somebody sent us a message about uh, saying buyer's remorse, and we said I think the funny part is last week. I don't know if you listen or not, but we said let's not don't name names, and we bashed Tremel. We bashed every, we hit everybody. <laughs> we immediately like beat up the beat the brakes off of companies. But uh, so uh, good old Rob McKinnon says I have one regret on tools that. 
I bought. I bought a grinder from a local grinder maker, and now he's chosen to, chosen to not make grinders anymore, and I'm in a bind. If oh, I need shit. parts or support, if I need parts or support, so advice to new makers: buy a grinder from a company or a business that you know will be around in five years, mm-hmm. so you can get parts and support your grind support if your grinder goes down. Yikes. That is one thing about these kit grinder companies that is good. You learned, and for you too, like I know last episode you talked about how you made your own grinder. Right. You do get familiar with what needs to happen. And there is something about that that is, um, I, I was bitching about my tire hammer. My tire hammer guy is gone. He is gone from, I think, frankly, between from you and me. <laughs> well, no, no, not from the earth. I think he might, might have gotten swooped up on January 6th, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, it's just, God. It's just, I'm making a joke. I don't think so, but I mean, you know, I mean, he may or may not have had a fucking, <laughs> fucking horn, face paint horn. Who knows? Not nothing wrong with it, but I mean, you know, let's just call it what it is. I mean, maybe he got swooped up with, with <laughs> fucking January six guys. I mean, you never know. But it's the thing is, is the fact that when you when you uh, when you have the ability to kind of understand how to fix your problems, it's a lot easier. So yeah. I'm totally uh, with that. Um, but uh, yeah, you have any? Uh, you don't have any remorse on your the grinder that you made. I mean, you could fix it. You still use it, right? Uh, I've actually, <laughs> I have cannibalized it and used right. it and started taking it apart and using different parts of it for other things, other, other projects. It still has kind of like the, the housing or the, like the main part of the body, but there's a lot of parts missing off of it now. All right. But I mean, that's, I mean, that is, that is one thing about getting stuff that, I mean, the reason why I got my tire hammer so I could repair it. And now right. I don't really need the guy. I don't need support from the guy, yeah. you know? He needs, no. probably needs some support from me because, I mean, you know, them lawyers ain't cheap. I'm just kidding, by the way. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I will say, I think you're right, though, about the, the build-it-yourself or assemble-it-yourself kind of situation is that you have a better understanding of where things are at and what's going on with it so that if something seems to be, like, off or needs adjusting, you can probably handle it yourself Right. Um, versus having to call a company. Well, that's the hard part with like, I mean, that is the hard part with, with like the little giants, because when you see them with cracks in them, I've seen little giants with big cracks in the frame. I mean, even welding doesn't really do the job. I mean, what truly, truly, you know, when you re-weld cast iron, it's scary, it's sketchy as shit. And then you see the, sometimes you see ones where they'll bolt plates on stuff like that. And that's scary too. Mm -hmm. So being able to repair your own shit is a value. Um, For sure. But uh, next thing is Walrus Steel says, I regret not jumping on quick loans to tool up before rates jumped. They're making it tough for makers and small businesses out there that want or need to scale uh, and require honest assistance to hit that mark. So he was saying that he didn't, loans were, you know, the interest rate on loans were inexpensive. He should have hopped on it then. God bless Walrus Steel for even thinking about that. Most makers who listen to this show don't even think about loans, I don't think. Sure. Yeah. Do you ever th- have you ever thought about getting a loan? Yeah, I mean, actually, <laughs> I I have it various aspects or parts of the of my path, but most recently, uh, when I was getting this uh, this little power hammer, um, the the guy I bought it from also had a one sixty five that he was wanting to sell uh, as well, and part of me was like, oh man, I oh. should get both of them because I think I can probably get it. He'll he'll probably take care of me and get me a good deal for both of them. 
And, uh, but I was like, I don't know where the fuck I'd put the second one. I have no right. idea where I'd put it. I don't have any, I really don't have any more room in my shop now. And, and it would be a great machine to have down the road or, you know, especially once I get into my own place. Um, but yeah, I just had nothing, nowhere to put it, but I was like, I think I could take a loan and, and, you know, have both of the things and, and paid off pretty damn quick, but just that initial capital upfront capital is the hard part. And that's where loans really come into play. So here's your choice. Yeah. A loan or an investor, which Hmm. would you choose? Uh, They're not far apart from each other, frankly. They're not far apart from the, from, from who they are, from what they are, but what would you prefer? I, tricky right well it depends on what their uh their rate is well they, but it's also but it isn't even the, i'm not even thinking about the rate i'm thinking about the involvement the involvement so if, if you get okay. like because i mean that was the thing is back in the day when tony and i were talking about investors he okay. said to me we're at a point where we don't need an investor and he said to me i, I don't think you want somebody with their i don't think you need another person with their two cents because no. once you have an investor Unless it's an investor for a specific amount of money, let's say you need five grand or ten grand, you have an investor with that ten grand, and then you just do everything you can to pay it off quickly, as opposed to them, you know, coming in. We're going to have a business meeting, and what are you doing? Is you don't want those, and a bank's going to leave you the fuck alone, but they're going to be like, you know, breaking your legs if you don't, you know, pay on time. Mm-hmm. And I wonder what's better for yeah. you know a young guy. Yeah, I mean, I, what was it? I can't remember what it was. Either a podcast, or I can't remember what I was listening to, or a book I was listening to. But they actually urge people to, if you have a good relationship with family, to try to take a personal loan, a private loan from family, um, which also comes with its own hangups and weirdness. Right. But um, if not there, then a bank, and then I think from there, if not a bank, then a then a private inv- or an investor. Um, but if it's a small, if it's below, God, I would say below fifty. Yeah, I was, I was gonna say fifty. Wow, look at you! But if it's below fifty, you, sh- I mean, you, c- most people can get a small business loan for at least fifty thousand dollars. But fifty thousand dollars is a fuck lot, a ton of money. Like you don't need that much money to I, get started. I, t- I tell you what would be good for you as well in terms of the history of your business. If you took out a loan and you had the if you had the the history of you paying back that loan as it's you know suggested you know as they, as they want it, it would probably be good on your resume as a business that you're very creditable you know you're cre- you're a good credit source you're uh, you're a, I mean you you pay your loans back you're not a deadbeat you're a real you know, you're, I would think that it would be very good in, it would be an advantageous thing for you to take out a loan and pay it back on time without any problems. Seems to me that that might be a good thing and on if, your business resume. For sure. And if you can, you know, pay it back a little bit more aggressively than probably what they suggest. Um, Cause minimum payments is, you're going to end up paying like <laughs> a massive percentage, a, lo- a lot more Like on a, a $5,000 loan could become a, an $8,000 loan. If you keep trailing it out over years at the minimum payment of like $25 a month or some shit like that. Right. Now that I think about it, taking out a bank loan and being diligent about paying it back is probably more advantageous 
to even a parent, you know, having a parent or something sure. because it's on your track record. Like, you know, when you're going up and you're leveling up, As you're, you're showing, you're showing yeah. the fact that you have good credit, you know, that you do what you say you're going to do. And it's not like, you know, you're not some flea bag who's, you know, taking that money and going to Barbados, you know? Um, and then, uh, what else we have? We have, um, Bilgewater Blades. Bilgewater Blades. Bilgewater. Is, he's good. He, that's a fucking good name. It's a fucking good name. You know what? Fuck that shit. That's a good name. Bilgewater Blades. I regret not following the advice of more senior makers when I get started. I wasted a lot of time on money. I wasted a lot of money on tools that I didn't need. And in turn, I wasted time. Mm. So that's a that's a good regret. I'd be curious what tools those were. Uh, I originally, I was thinking about regrets uh, that I... Uh, regret buys originally it was the tormek because and it was i hated it and the reason why i hated it was because i couldn't figure out how to use it i watched the videos they give you all they give when you get a tormek they do give you a lot of stuff to make it easy on you okay. but you're still like you i'm one of those guys who i get the instru i don't i get the instructions and i throw them out the window like i don't, I don't want your you know what i mean I'm like <laughs> ah, what do i need these for i know what the fuck i'm doing and it was like i hit the choil one time or i hit the fucking guard and i was just like i don't like this at all so I, it took me a long time to just like, you know, be, I had to mature with it, but, uh, there are machines. I, I was trying to think about machines that I regret buying. One of them was, and something that, uh, honor Kagler has dies in every film. He just got one of these. It's like, it converts your right angle grinder into a chop saw. Have you seen those? Oh yeah. Yeah. They're minis. They're like yep. mini. It turns your right angle grinder into a chop saw. And I got one of those thinking I'm going to be real smart and I'm not going to have to deal with these big goddamn things thing is a piece of shit it's like literally <laughs> such a waste of time and energy uh, that is a total uh harbor freight tool as a harbor freight tool right there you <laughs> can't even find those at my harbor freight anymore i actually thought about getting one and then i the, went to there and i couldn't find the fucking thing they, they would be it. if they're good for they i don't know where they're good for frankly because i mean if uh, i was talking to him about it, I, was like, I had one of those goddamn things he's doing a whole video with it and i was like i had one of those goddamn things and i regretted buying it and they're cheap and flimsy and you know you don't get a lot of you know use of your right angle grinder disc anyway because i mean it's like how much you I mean you're getting so much more on you get a big long disc on a regular chop saw but there i don't think there is another we talk about the right angle grinder i don't think there's a worse tool than the chop saw in terms of its enjoyment level oh, i fucking hate a chop saw <laughs> don't you we, especially when you're cutting like large solid stock and it's just like oh my god vibrating all over oh, the fucking place <laughs> try try cutting out a hammer blank with a fucking chop saw. And if you if you don't want to pull your own teeth out, it's mm. the worst. I mean, it is legitimately the worst. And yeah. hardened steel, it sucks with hardened steel. Oh, Matabo. Ugh. If you're going to get a chop saw, Matabo is the best. Have you ever chopped with a Matabo? Uh, not that I can, not that I think of, but at the same time, they're the king of grinders. Holy the king of the shit. Game. It didn't matter what you put underneath that thing. It just right through it. No, fucker, I, no fuckery of tripping circuits or anything like that. Just ate right through that bitch. And the smell. It's My oh, old yeah. boss used to call horrible. the smell. He used to call it the smell. of It was cat urine, he used to say it smelled. Oh, like. I was like, why so specific? Why does it have to be <laughs> cat urine? What is the matter with you? What are you, what are you sniffing everybody? What the fuck? He's got cat trauma from growing up, I'm sure. Apparently, apparently. And the last and the last of the uh, regrets is from our boy Wyoming Cody. Wyoming Cody he says, "My regret is not finding knife talk sooner." You're right. That's everyone's regret. 
Why we're having coding? I'm getting messages from people saying that they're they've started listening in the beginning and then they're asking me questions about uh one guy said, Where are the I thought you guys are selling t shirts. I'm like, I'm not fucking selling goddamn t shirts. <laughs> not selling t shirts. And then there was and then he said, um he said, uh I thought there was a knife maker. I thought there was a knife talk forum. And we're like, oh, those are fucking years ago. We're not doing that shit anymore. <laughs> Just knock it off. Right. So guys, if, you, if you're listening to this and you want to send us some buyer's remorse, things that you regret you bought, send it in and uh, we'll read them off. That was a fun little bit. That's um, good. Uh, one thing you won't regret buying, one thing you will not regret buying is Damasteel. Damasteel.se, they have some of the greatest... They're makers of the best stainless pat pattern welded steels on the market in commercially. They're amazing patterns and easy. They have easy information on heat treatment, etching, finishing. It should not be intimidating to you. Their videos. They have tons of videos on how you etch, how you uh, deep etch. It's a little bit different than Damascus, but not much different. It's very easy. They give a lot of great, great advice and definitely go check out uh, Damasteel. And if you go to damasteel.se and you use the promo code Knife Talk, you're going to get 10% off your order. And we have a special, when Craig comes back, we have a special deal coming with uh, Damasteel. It's going to be really exciting to our customers, to our listeners. Uh, we got something going on with Damasteel. So I'm going to leave it there. I ain't going to talk about it until Craig comes back. Well, 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 thanks to the power of the internet, I am back just to tell you something very, very special. You guys have asked us about doing another build along for a long, long time. And we've teamed up with Dharma Steel to do a Dharma Steel build along, um, which we're going to partner with the, with the DCI, which is the, the Chef Invitational. Um, so you'll be able to submit your knives made with the build along to the Chef Invitational. There's a big prize. It's all pretty, pretty cool. We're going to reveal more in weeks to come. Um, but if you go to knifetalk.net forward slash build along, that'll take you to Dharma Steel, where they've got a special piece. And it's the same piece that we'll all be using for this build along. Um, special, special price too. We're going to get as many people as we can in this build along. Each week, uh, we will talk about the various stages um, of making a build along knife. And it'll just be interesting to see what people come up with. We'll all have the same constrictions. We'll all have the same piece. It's going to be fun. Go take a look. KnifeTalk.net forward slash build along. Get involved. But it's very exciting, and we will be doing the Damasteel Invitational. And shout out to Carly. Carly loves this. You know, the Damasteel people, of all our sponsors, of all of our sponsors, nobody is more excited to listen to Knife Talk than Damasteel. And frankly, I'm surprised. I thought I had sent them off years ago. I thought that, oh, yeah. I thought that my bullshit <laughs> sent them off years ago, but not apparently not. So they're loving that we're sending you sending all of our best out to Sweden. Damn steel, we're with you. So uh, there you go. What would you like to do? We have oh, what do we have here? We have more questions. We have more listener feedback. We have a why me why me why does this always happen to me actually let's do that because this one's directly for you yeah this oh, is from our me. friend okay. well i mean it's good for you i mean okay. it's, i mean it's perfect for you why me why me why does this always happen to me this is the this is a funny little segment we'll see how it goes where you do something and you just don't know why it happens and we'll try to figure it out so this one comes from our boy uncle sam metalwork he says why me why me why does this always happen to me every time i try to draw down a heel i push it more forward than I intend, especially on integrals. Mm. Yeah. It, it took me a while to figure that out. And I think part of it, 
if you're forging an integral while the stock is still thick, like, I mean, like a quarter inch, if not maybe uh, five sixteenths, that's when you want to start pulling that heel down. Um, and you don't, you, you want to start with tiny bites, little, just tiny bites in the corner. If you're using a press or using a hammer, power hammer, or even if you're hand hammering, by starting with small bites in the corner where you want that heel to draw out, then you're, on, you're focusing that force on a smaller surface area of the hot material and it wants to move. It squishes out. And then you move forward and take another little bite and, and you keep doing that. And you're only focusing force on a very small area and it helps really pull that heel down. And it took working on under the power hammers at Dragon's Breath Forge actually um, to really kind of Actually, no shit. I was doing that on my press before I got the Dragon's Breath. But once once I was under a power hammer doing that, man, did that make a difference and how easy a blade forged out. But I think um, that his issue is, is it's not, it seems to me like his heel isn't, he's trying to get 90 degrees. Right. He's trying to get that 90 degrees from the bolster down to the heel. And I think what he's saying is his heel is always moving forward. Always moving forward. Yeah. You know well, what I mean? I, I, know what you're, I know what he means. Um, And, and so... If you do, if in fact, if you do it too early when the material is too thick, like maybe three eighths of an inch, even, then you have kind of too much material in that area for pulling that heel down, and you'll actually pull it behind the bolster, below oh, the yes. bolster, and um, and that's honestly that's that's where my recurve heel kind of started, is. I pulled all this material down because I was pulling it down too early, and I was like, "Well, fuck! What am I? I don't want. I don't want to just cut it off. What do I do with this?" And I was like, "Oh, I can actually incorporate this into the design of the knife," and that's when I started doing my recurve heel on my chef's knives. Um, but I've also started to identify like it, it, part of the reason that was happening is because I was approaching it too early when the material is still too thick, and that for me in general, my the sweet spot is around. Um, a quarter of an inch, maybe just over a quarter of an inch, but usually about a quarter of an inch to pull that heel down. Um, but yeah. One of the things I noticed is a lot of times with, if you're, I was, when I was doing my friction folders, I started to notice that when I was trying to inside, uh, uh, offset the tab, I would notice as I was using the anvil, the tab would go up and then the, where the heel would be would kind of go in. And I wasn't getting that 90 degrees. And I started to, and the, one of the things I used to do is I, I would do the tip of the knife. I draw the tip of the knife out first. And I realized that if I draw, if I work on the, the, he, the heel first and not do the point of the tip, I could actually take the, the knife and put it the other way oh, so that it's facing up. And then I can drive all that material back down. You know, yeah. so like all of a sudden I'm focusing on the back end and making it um, more square. And that just changed the way I did it. And then I would draw the, the tip out. There's also uh, there's also an awesome video uh, series by uh, Nick we, uh, Nick Rossi. He has an online ser- series and he shows you because he, he also knows, he makes a point that I, he's like, when he looks at knives, he says, I know when somebody can't draw the heel down 90 degrees and he's like he that's his move is drawing the heel down 90 degrees and i won't tell you everything but what he does is he ends up moving his bolster up a hair and then forging it back down and then moving it 
back down as well. But you, if you watch the video, the Nick Rossi video is definitely worth it. He addresses that whole idea of how do you get a 90 degree uh, bolster. Definitely uh, good. But yeah, you know, that's the best part about the best part about forging is it's the problem solving. Like right. I went from making my friction folders where I did knife, you know, you do the point first and then you draw down the heel if it were a regular knife. But now I'm just like, I actually learned from, uh, um, from Lynn Ray, Lynn Ray builds his X-ray knives, uh, ta- heel first. So he's focusing on his whole heel completely first. So he's actually holding it in all the handle is all the, the whole thing. And then when he's done with the handle, before he wraps it around and then ties it into hit the, uh, the the peg, then he'll forge out the uh, the blade. So right. maybe there's different ways, and especially the problem-solving thing. It would be interesting to see if you could actually forge out a heel without doing the point of the knife first. You know, it might be kind of an interesting tactic. To- well, when I forged out that, uh, the steel knife, Actually, the other day, and well, and I didn't have to for, really forge the tip in, but I did forge. I focused all back on first isolating the material that would become the ricasso and the tang, and then pulling the heel down and forging the the lower, I guess, yeah, the lower half of the handle or the blade first, and then got basically halfway up the blade, where then I had to turn it around and then forge the rest. Uh, out out of the tip and 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 like from the midway point out to the tip, um, and I I, t- I think that's kind of actually typically my move. Huh. I, I don't I don't forge the tip in too early anymore. Um, I'm more uh, especially when I'm forging the integrals. What's more important is getting getting the length out of the material right. first, right, right, before right. then starting to forge things down. Now you don't want to get, you don't want to push it too far because once you get below a quarter of an inch, things start folding over and you get cold right. shuts and shit. So you do want to address the tip at a certain point, and that's ideally, you know, around uh, three uh, quarter of an inch, three sixteenths at the at the thinnest, uh, so you can really get that in there. Um, but but uh, but yeah, it's it's. There are other priorities when, for me personally, when I'm forging my integrals um, that don't necessarily involve the tip of the knife. Yet. There's also a repair move if you, let's say, you forge your tip in, and then your 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 heel your heel is a little bit not square. If you take your knife, get it hot, and put it in a in a vice, uh, you put it in a vice, and you and you t- get like a fullering tool, or even use your cross peen. You can hammer in right above, right under the bolster, and then kind of push in that push that material out, so you can even it out a little bit. Uh, I saw somebody somebody did I did that one time, and you can actually kind of force that top part that's a little bit closer to the bolster farther back, farther in, so you can kind of transition that mm. heel a little bit different. But yeah. I, I would definitely, I would, I, I would highly recommend anyone getting the Nick Rossi uh, in, uh, internet internet stuff. And guess what? If if you decide you don't want fuck this forging, I don't want to do any of this forging. You know what? Frankly, I want to do something else. Go to knifeprint.com, guys. Knifeprint.com um, is a great company if you've ever been intimidated by CAD work and you want to get your knives water jet cut or laser jet cut. Go to knifeprint.com. And there's no downloading of software or any licensing agreement it's a great entry point to simply and easily design knives with the software they've designed for knife makers all you do is hit the 
render button, and it'll show you exactly what you've made in 3D. You can spin around, make corrections easily. And then you press the print button, and it'll cut it out for you and wherever. Who knows where they're sending it out. It gets cut to you, and send, send, it's going to send it to the mail. They have a great, easy website to learn. It's a great service, and they'll even talk you through it. Go to knifeprint.com. There you go. We well, and you were got... talking about what uh, you were talking about scaling earlier. I think in regards to uh, yeah loans, but you know you don't need a loan to scale using the knifeprint.com. Yeah, why not? I mean, it's a great way to kind of like get your get your get your you get your start in it. I mean, it's a great company, and you know, a lot of guys have been using it, and it's a, it's really kind of a neat it's a neat idea. And they I think that they use like you know they'll send it to companies that are local to you and then they're the ones who are going to cut it out so sure definitely so we've hit all of our sponsors thank god and in a very nice way so we can go do questions we can do listener feedback we can we talked a lot of knifey stuff if you want to do the if you want to do the you know yeah after show it (laughs) you know we did we i feel like we did cover the knife stuff whatever you want um maybe let's do a, a couple more of the uh Listener feedbacks. Okay. Well, I like I like you giving you the decision. You do a good job. Um, uh, this one comes from Thirsty Work Industries. Uh, I'd like to throw out a big, fat, juicy thank you. As I was typing the last message, I guess he had sent a message in, Mareko uh, was answering one of my previous questions. It made total sense, and it was extremely helpful. You gents make me laugh cry, feel like I can accomplish anything, and remind me of how far I have yet to go. Cheers to you. And we'll also spoil Santa Claus for your kids. <laughs> we'll fuck them all up. We're gonna, we will traumatize your children if you have them in the car. And, and we won't even apologize for it. Or I won't apologize for it. Um, you gents make me laugh, cry, feel like I can accomplish anything. Cheers to you. And please also thank your families for sacrificing some of your time so that you can help this podcast for all of us knuckle draggers. That was very nice. Um, very kind. Here's from Adrian Briel. He says, I was driving back from work listening to one of the older episodes. Mareko was explaining the finishing of Damascus prior to etching in great detail, but something strange happened. Mareko was rushing through the explanation, short of breath, uh, almost like he was in a panic mode and just about to pass out. Only you know you you're you're wondering where this is going and I was too and I read it only to realize I had the playback speed at 1.5 so he had it he had it the wrong playback speed it was just a relief he's like uh, it was just as much a relief for me as it was for the 1.5 times Mareko um, that day uh, awesome show you're a big part of our lives I appreciate it there so. are times when I'm explaining things and I start to feel the pressure like in while I'm talking in my head I'm like god I've been talking for a long time already I need to finish this the fuck no, up No 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 you need to do your thing you need to I want I'm giving you the I'm giving you the you have got to just you got to finish your thought and be in a relax and however no one's putting any pressure on you you don't you know you you give the real dope you give the real good dope and that's a good that's a good expression that's an old expression for the good shit so you give the good shit so feel free uh, Ronald Knives says, in a sen- uh, we were talking about luxury for the past couple of episodes. In between es- essential spending and luxury spending is discretionary spending. It's uh-huh. that little bit of cash left over after the bills are all paid, and you can have some fun. Uh, I may, uh, 
Uh, I my uh, my knives sitting in space. No one needs a custom knife, but people buy them because it makes them happy and it would make them something nice. I look at it. I look at it like buying tools. I could always I could buy a basic tool that will get the job done. Sometimes I do exactly that. It's something I'm going to get used to. A special project. I'd rather take something, some of that discretionary money, and put it towards something that will be pleasure to use and will be around for a long time. Mm-hmm. So we were talking about that. Um, Chris Dobbs says, I have a beef for you guys. And this isn't the all beef review, but you know, hey, listen, we're in April. Open, as we rep- as we were recording, this is opening day for baseball. Uh, Chris Dobbs says, I have a beef for you guys. I have a beef for you. People forging in a kilt. Forging in a kilt. <laughs> I hope that you get scale. I hope that scale goes in your sock. So he don't like a kilt. I, frankly, I, I mean, I would imagine... In the summertime, a kilt would be nice, but that's about it. <laughs> I can't imagine a kilt being nice other times. Yeah, I think you ever work. Ever worn a kilt? No, but to anybody who wants to wear a kilt or even nothing at all, you, it, you got all all my support. You do you. Look at you! Look at you! We're supportive. We're supportive of the kilt community. God bless them. It just yeah. doesn't seem like in the wintertime it'd be good if your legs are cold. And I would imagine in the summertime, probably feels great on your nuts. Actually, maybe the <laughs> summertime's not so good because maybe it's too hot. Maybe kind of you need that 70 degrees, 60 to 70 degrees is probably your sweet spot. Well, you got the zinc on the gooch. You're good to go. You need zinc on the gooch. You're good to go. There you go. Then what's the next step? You think forging in a loincloth, bare-chested, loincloth, barefooted too? Like your boy, Jason Momoa. He walks around with a fucking... Exactly. What it's is that all about? <laughs> Speaking of, let's just talk about... All right, you know what? Fuck this. This is the after show now. <laughs> all right, guys. We'll see you next week. Welcome to Life Talk. We're in the after show, goddammit. What's going on with Jason Momoa walking around with his, ball, with his butt hanging out in the loincloth? Is that a thing? Uh, he's filming a series for Apple Plus about... Um... King Kamehameha in Hawaii. Oh. And I thought that was like his move. Like, no. Nah, they, and they basically wore, I think the loincloth is being generous. They think typically they wore nothing. Um, so. My friend uh, Miles Van Rensselaer, who's I, at some point I got to get him on a podcast. He's hilarious. He spent some time in Papua New Guinea in college. And mm-hmm. He hung out with the dudes who would wear the penis gourds, where oh, they sure. hollow out the gourds and then they strap them to the dick. And it's like, he says to me, it's pretty amazing, but at the same time, it's like, it's so, it's just so like extra. Cause I mean, it's not like a, like a, <laughs> a little a cup. It's not like a little cup. <laughs> it's like a long ass fucking thing that they tie to their, you know, they get the dick in there and they tie it to their chest. And it's like, it's, uh, it's like out of the, it makes it not out of the way at all. <laughs> like underpants totally make it. Way. It's totally in the way. It's like, imagine <laughs> your dick's up, your dick is t- attached to something by your shoulder. It's just like, what the fuck do I need this for? I, I feel like I, when I was in like elementary or middle school, I, we would go visit my grandparents and my grandpa always had Discovery Channel on. Right. And he would sit in his recliner watching Discovery Channel and we'd show up. He wouldn't even get up. He wouldn't even peel his eyes away. And I'd just go plop down next to him and be watching about like, you know, funnel spiders and sharks and all kinds of shit. But one one time there was a, a the animal stuff was followed by some of the like documentary of of 
these native peoples and they they had these things <laughs> tied onto their ticket. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? And they're like building a bridge or they're hunting and they got this stupid thing flopping around in their face the whole yeah. time. It's like, how, that doesn't even just, it Zero. doesn't make sense. Zero. Zero sense. You want I mean, it out of the way. I mean, great for them. And, and like, that's obviously a big part of their culture, but it, it seems um, obnoxious. It's excessive. Extra. Extra. I mean, it's like, I, I, there's so much parts of the, of the human body that you don't need to accentuate all the time. <laughs> and like, <laughs> and like dicks are one of them. I mean, you just don't need them. You don't need <laughs> dick and balls all the time. I mean, it's just like, it'd be like walking around with a fucking, you know, a traffic cone in your pants. It's just like, you don't need that. <laughs> it's just like, can't fucking do shit. Like, I just, uh, it's like the long fingernails too. It's like, well, I don't know. I don't, what are you going to do with them? You know, it's just like, it's a nut. You can't pick shit up. I, I watched a Cardi B was doing something with the, she was eating shrimp with these long ass fingernails. I was like, God damn, that is a crazy way to live. Crazy way to live. Yeah. I'd be using chopsticks all the time. All the time. All the time. <laughs> well, now, you know what? I'll tell you what, you talk about something that's smart. I think chopsticks are probably a better utensil than anything else. I love no, chopsticks. Not a, not a spoon. But at chopsticks, I mean, you can, you're, you're very, you have a lot of finesse with the sure. chopsticks. And it probably makes you eat slower too. Yeah. yeah. Don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I use it. I use, uh, what are, we, we got one of the, the nice pair from a restaurant of like bamboo chopsticks. And, I, and they're like extra long. They're like 10 inches long or something like that. And I love using them for cooking. I oh, use yeah. Them for scrambling eggs. I use sure. them for flipping fried stuff. I use them for stirring up. Like last night, I was making macaroni and cheese and then also make for the kid. And then I was also doing like a peanut peanut sauce with shrimp and and like oh, said peanut sauce okay peanut Pe- sauce. not penis no. <laughs> every time someone says peanut i've been trained to be try to train to say that you have to make a joke saying do you say penis sauce what the fuck is that i that's it i'm sorry i apologize it's all right uh but anyways i was already using the chopsticks for that and the and then the vegetables that i was cooking up to and so i just use it you know to put a stir up the macaroni noodles so they don't stick to the bottom of the pan and but I, I love using them. I probably use them just as much as I use the spatula. They're hard for rice. Hard for rice. What do you mean? Well, and you're eating rice, if you're, unless it's like sticky rice. If you have like very, or peas or something like that, it becomes hard because then you have to try to put them together and make them like a shovel. My problem <laughs> is, is I'm a fucking Gavone. So like I, if I could eat with a fucking snow shovel, I would like, I get it. I, mean, I don't know what, ha- what happened. All in there. Oh, dude, I am a wood chipper, man. My shit is, my shit goes down so fucking fast. And like, I've gotten to the point now where I don't even use a regular soup spoon. I use those great coon spoons like those. And I eat oh, with them. Jesus. Oh, wow. dude, I'm telling you like a fucking snow shovel. And I want I can't get it down fast enough. So I like every time I'm using right there. Oh, dude, it's like ridiculous. I mean, like, it's like I'm eating with a quarter cup. Nice. A quarter you, you, cup spoon. You like a mouthful. That's what she said. You know, I'm with you, Craig. We're here. Yeah, we, we're we're not. We're listening in. We're listening in on you. But um, yeah, I don't know. I would think you know. And then the the Engl- the uh, people in Great Britain, they use their forks upside down. Have you ever seen that? Like they don't use the fork. The Americans use a fork. Like you use a like fucking a pitchfork. Yeah, it's like a pitchfork, and you're you don't use it upside down. And I would see these these friends of mine from England. They would use their fork where the tines were like curled down, and right. they would scrape their food up on that. And I'd be like, what kind of 
nonsense is that? I mean, it's just like, why don't you just turn remember. the fucking fork fork around and use the handle as the as the food part? Yeah, I can't remember what that technique's called, but I I actually I my wife used to work at one of the local universities here, and they had a an etiquette class, and part of it was. Um, because, and it wasn't just, it was for the students, but because my wife worked at school, they had extra spaces and I was able to go and and be part of this etiquette class. And it was teaching kids, like, as you become an adult and you have these different meetings and stuff like that with people and they're usually around dinner, you don't want to eat like a fucking Gabon and, (laughs) and, uh, taught you how to use, uh, uh, I think it's continental style is the way of using the fork upside down in your left hand. And then your knife is doing the cutting and the sawing with your dominant hand. And then Um, it's scraping it up onto that. Yeah. Usually you like, you poke a few things with the fork and then you, you know, you slather some shit up with with like a, like a spackle knife, but it doesn't, it never stays on. It's such a pain in the ass. Well, I, 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 it's totally, you're right. It's a hundred percent meant for you to not be a pig. Right. Yeah. Like me. I mean, it's like, I'm eating, fucking, I'm eating everything with a fucking spoon. And the funny thing is, is like, I, yeah, now that I think about it, I was watching some video of this guy using chopsticks, but then he had a bowl of, 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 of rice. It was one of these ridiculous things. It was like this fisherman, a Chinese fisherman with this ridiculous big pot of like crazy seafood, like, like too much for this guy. He would was take a, a bite. I think it was a yeah. It was for sure. It was a mukbang, and a mukbang is was those slurping, chewing, you know, plotching. like the fucking plotching, major <laughs> plotching, good fucking pull. And he eats this fucking shrimp head, and you know, grunts and stuff like that. He brings the bowl <laughs> to his face, and then his method with the chopsticks is he's just like it's almost like he's rowing a boat, and he's oh, yeah. just like. He's rowing the food into his mouth. He's paddling the rice into his mouth. And it's like three, one, two, three. And it was like, and, it, and his method was very like pivoty. It wasn't, it was very much along the lines of like, all right, well, the rice, the chopsticks is not necessarily to make you eat less. This guy's just, you know, horking it in. Yeah. No. And honestly, I've seen a lot of that and I follow that lead for sure. Uh, if I can, especially if I have like a little side bowl of rice, I will oh, 100% yeah. do that. In yeah. fact, we were doing dinner the other night and it's our, our Roman picnic dinner, which is like a bunch of charcuterie and cheeses and pickled stuff and right. fresh bread. And I made a pizza and all that shit. Um, but we use chopsticks to reach around and, and grab stuff and pick stuff off of these different little plates and bowls and all this kind of stuff. And my mom, she can use chopsticks. My mom's in town visiting, but she's not the greatest with them. And she kept struggling with getting this piece of cheese. I was like, just poke the fucking thing. <laughs> I was like, it's legit. I, yeah. I, I When I was in South Korea, there's an ajima there in the market. And she was just straight poking dumplings and shoving them in her face. I was like, do it. That's what I do. <laughs> there is going to be uh, different cultural techniques that are going to migrate over. And one of the things I know in Korean barbecue and stuff like that is they, they're cutting stuff with scissors. Like scissors yeah. is like big for cutting food, like cutting your steak up with the scissors. Yeah. I know David Chang loves using, he does in his videos, he's, he's not using his knife as much as he uses the scissors. Sure. And it's going to be a matter of time before we stay, we stop with the, we stop with the chopsticks and we just go straight to tweezers. That's one of my next big projects I want to do. I want to make, I don't want to make a folding knife. I want to make kitchen shears. Kitchen shears is a, it's a strong move. 
but Americans they're going to be a nightmare <laughs> they're going to be a nightmare however there are chicken uh, kitchen shears that have like a bottle opener on it and then this and then they, it's, right, right, like, right. it's like a multi-tool I'll probably make a like a poultry shears style there you go That's, that'll shears. be slick that will yeah. be slick I'm excited for them so what else you got what do you got going on this weekend this week oh what's going oh you know what's going on I'm, go I'm taking a field trip me and the family are taking a field trip up to north and we're going to be visiting dan biddinger and his family oh nice they just live a couple hours north and uh we're going to go hang out with them he's got a uh who makes a gozni rock box this little pizza oven situation oh yeah so we're going to be making some pizzas that'll be we, fun kids are going to hang i'll probably we'll check out the shop uh, probably won't be doing too much work and yeah just getting the families together hang out he lives in a beautiful area it's it's in the uh What's it called? It's the rain shadow. It's the rain shadow of the Olympics. So it's it's actually probably one of the sunniest places of all of Washington. And it's like right across the water from Seattle. Huh. Um, and it's because the Olympic Mountains block a lot of the southwesterly um, cloud movement. A lot of our, our weather comes, or is it north? Uh, whatever. Anyways, it, um, the, the Olympics block it so that squim... Uh, the Squim and northern Kitsap Peninsula area, like the northeast uh, peninsula area, doesn't really get drenched too much. It's beautiful there. Wow. Yeah. Well, that'll be nice. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be nice. He's got kids the same age as your son? He's got a daughter, and she is, I think she's just a couple of years younger, but I think All he'll right. have, he's, he's good hanging with younger yeah, kids. Yeah, that's good for him. It's good for yeah. him to be the older kid sometimes. Sometimes yeah, when the younger kid too much, is, it's a drag, but that's oh, awesome. Yeah. Well, no, when we wrap this up, I'm gonna I'm heading down to Pennsylvania. I'm going down to see Pat Quinn in the Center for Mental Arts. Uh, I'm gonna teach the friction folder class. Oh, sick! This weekend, yeah, I'm psyched. I'm, I got a nice message from Pat. I'm gonna go see him. Uh, I'm looking forward to going down there. And mm -hmm. the history down there is just. I mean, it, you gotta make it. It's you gotta make the pilgrimage because it's like he really has this concept. He's created this concept. The neatest part about Pat is. If you've known his work before he moved down to Johnstown, you can see how Johnstown evolved his techniques, and it's really, really cool. So I always have a good time talking with him. We kind of talk about the way things are, and his, his the blacksmithing is, you know, he's really focusing on from the that 1800s Johnstown mm -hmm. style, which is super cool. So we're doing that, yeah. and then... Today is opening day for baseball. We're going to listen to the Knicks. We're going to listen to the uh, Yankees. You're going to hopefully have a good year. I'm looking for, I'm glad baseball's back. I, I'm just listening to football talk is, I can't do it. And um, <laughs> the Knicks are doing good. And uh, I'm trying to think of my kids on the football team. And, uh, you know, we're jocks this summer, we're, this spring. We're going to be jocks. So what is the football exactly? Because obviously football is usually a fall thing. Is this right. a, some sort of so, spring and it looked it's, like I saw. I think I saw you posted something. It looked like it was a girls' team. Here's what's interesting. So the NFL has put money into girls' flag football. Okay. Flag football is far more interesting than you think, because there's no helmets, there's no pads, there's no tackling. You have flags on your waist. Right. So the NFL put millions and millions of dollars into high school programs to encourage girls' flag football. 
And they're in our area, the past two years has been like, they've been building these teams. So she had friends who were in it last year. And then this year, when she got into college, she got accepted to college. She's like, I'm going to have some fucking fun this last year. So she joined the track team to get in shape for the football team. And she went all to the football clinics and she's, she made the, foot, the flag football team and she's the center now. It's so cool because we went to a scrimmage and it's seven on seven. So it's not like regular football where there's right. a there's an offensive line and then there's all the back the backs who do you know the, you know everybody can score everybody can is a receiver. Oh, so there's because okay. there's no blocking. As soon as you hike the ball and they teach these kids, there's no blocking. So you can't just like push somebody to to. to as soon as the quarterback gets the ball, they got to throw it immediately. So they have all these plays all the time, and part of the pe- people who could be in these plays are the linemen. So all of a sudden, everybody, all seven of the offense, has an opportunity to be involved with the play, not yeah. just like. Yeah. So it's way more fun because it's like, it feels like in the the practices that we've been watching some of the practices from a distance, and we've been, it's been awesome. And I honestly, and and there are now these. It turns out that colleges are now taking all these sponsorship. They're taking you know, tons of scholarships. They're encouraging flag girls flag football and they had a commercial in the super bowl it's fun and it, and i would i would imagine that flag football makes a big impact in the next you know, 15 20 years only because it is there's more action because the because the quarterback has to move the ball and now all of a sudden you can throw to anybody sure you're going to have more scoring is going to be higher and it's about like evading you know, being, you know, you're not getting tackled, so they got to grab your flag. So you do, it's all these kind of like evasion things and tons of kids who play soccer do it. And it was, it's cool. We, we, there was supposed to be a game today, but it was canceled because one of the teams didn't have enough players. So it's, it's super cool. And watching these, and she loves it. And she was really depressed that they, they're not having a game today. She was ready. She's the starting center. So sure. it's cool. It's super cool. Yeah. It sounds, it's, I mean, it's obviously, it sounds very familiar. Right. 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 But it's also it, it but it has its own things going on that make it a different game. It's closer to rugby, I think. You know, cuz it's like it's more about running and I mean obviously there's not the physicality. pretty fucking rough. <laughs> no, but I mean anybody can but anybody can get the ball, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like sure. it's almost kind of like soccer too. So like anybody can be obviously you have the position players and there's certain things that are people are better at and stuff like that. But I mean it's a lot more there's a lot more action without mm-hmm. the physicality of it. Sure. The like the hitting and stuff. So you can follow it. Like sometimes with a football team you can't. You're so many people on the field that you kind of don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah. And like, I think yeah. with seven on seven, all of a sudden it becomes a little bit easier to see what the hell's happening. So mm-hmm. that's what we're. That's what our our life is out all these days. So then, so if there's no blocking, does the right. quarterback get like a buffer of like five seconds or well, something, or people can just here's straight the thing. rush his ass? Great question. You gotta. You gotta. You gotta get your center to fucking shotgun snap the ball. I got you. So if you shotgun snap the ball well, and my and kid three, and I watch the, videos, you a three step drop. <laughs> you if you can, you got the the, the you got a, the the center is far more pivotal because the center now has to be really good at the shotgun snap, sure. five yards away or whatever it is. And then the the everyone's got their moves, and the the quarterback is as soon as the quarterback gets it fucking getting rid of the ball like immediately there's no like let's look around and see you gotta get rid of the ball within like two seconds of grabbing it 
So yeah. there's like, it's not like, you know, you see Tony Romo or all these, or Tony Romo is a terrible example. You see uh, 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 Pat Mahomes is like, he's looking around and he's pumping the ball and he's looking at, there ain't none of that. So the quarterback right. gets the ball and fucking gets rid of it immediately. You, so it's different games. It's really neat. You know, you can practice snapping with her. We've been doing it since since fucking uh, Thanksgiving. Well, so but do you know how to do the overhead practice? What's the overhead practice? So you, it's so it's just like you would put it down on the ground, but instead of doing it down on the ground and then snapping it back between your legs, you stand up and you still put your hands on the ball the same way you would down on the ground, but then you throw it overhead. And you can play catch. You can toss it back and forth. And with huh. some practice, you can fucking snap that bitch far. Well, she's been really, she's really been good. I mean, she's been since she before that she joined the team. I mean, she was practicing. We've been practicing since Thanksgiving. Yeah. And she's gotten good at it, and she likes it. And I, and I, and she's got a different stance than some other people. She watched this video. They said she put it out far more forward, and she's been having really good success. Okay. So it's it, we've been practicing on the week. We have a good time. We throw the throw the football. And my dad never threw the football with me, so it's super cool. But I uh, bet. Yeah. Dude, we did, it. we did we it. We did it. We did it. And we can look forward to to Craig coming back. We look forward to all our listeners and all the great feedback and the questions. Guys, go to Instagram. Go to Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. Get involved with the show. Send us whatever. You send us some dilemmas. You send us your questions. Send us anything you want, and we'll, we'll take care of you. Guys, have a great week. And uh, Mareko, thank you for waking up early for this. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And um, we'll see you next week. See you next week. All right. Bye, guys. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.